have your Bibles open to Proverbs 31. I just want to let you know that um, I, I, my, my back is bad. I, I think many of you already know that. I can't really do much. And then my hands got crushed. And so I'm in the woods. I'm thinking, I hope no one's watching me because I have to roll over onto my side to get up. Uh, and, if, and if a turkey comes by, I'm not going to be able to get it. I'm just out there for show. You know, like, there's no way I could probably lift this up and try to shoot it. But uh, anyway, um, it gives me a little more respect for people who only have one arm. Um, was able to get some of the stuff done this weekend. And, and uh, we got a camper that I took off with the boys. We try to do two getaways, one for the hunt and one for the um, and, and one for the turkey hunt, one for the deer hunt in the fall. Um, but had a, had a good time. But I, I just thought about how that moms are constantly working. Moms, a lot of times, even though they're ill, have to get up and have to get things going around the house. Um, I was thinking this weekend, um, I had a little opportunity to, I have four sons, and then we brought a nephew in. And so we had quite a few down there, plus one grandson with us this year, and uh, cooking the meals for them. And um, trying to get everything all ready. Some of the meals in the mornings, they cooked a little bit, but then I was able to clean the mess up. Um, but it's okay. And I, I kind of felt yesterday that God was speaking to my heart. I made a big meal for them. Um, the, the ladies made, I just put it out right after I made a little bit and so on, cut the onions up and all that for the, for the meal, got it all taken care of. And then afterwards, I was cleaning it up, and I was thinking, you know what, moms do this all the time. They make the meals, and then they clean up the mess. They're very seldom thanked, you know. Um, sometimes she takes it on as saying, well, it's, it's just my role. I'm part, of, part of the goal is to have a happy home. And sometimes the moms, not only with all of that on their, on their heart and their mind, they are also trying to keep peace within the house. If you have lots of people, if you have of lots of, of, uh, of children. Um, I can't even imagine what it's like. Sometimes the kids pitch in, but the responsibility is incredible. And I can't think of any other place in the Bible where I could turn to show you what God says concerning women and concerning moms other than Proverbs 31. And uh, you know that part of my premarital counseling is this is the portion of Scripture that I turn to for the women. We have a woman's night where I teach on that. And then, uh, then the husband, the wife and the husband, and so on, their roles and their responsibilities. But I thought about the, how this all began and was able to pull together some of these things. Today, of course, is Mother's Day, and it's the it's 113th year anniversary um, of it. It was actually 1905 where it was thought about. Um, it wasn't until 1908 the first Mother's Day was held. Anna Maria... Jarvis, Reeves Jarvis, was the woman who started it all. She spent years in this, uh, of, the, of, the, of the Civil War era organizing women in, the West, in West Virginia to nurse wounded soldiers from both the North and the South. And she probably had moms on her mind all the time. After the war, she began to organize what they called Mother's Friendship Days, to reconcile the families that were divided during the Civil War. 
and sometimes there would even be brothers fighting against brothers, and sometimes there'd be cousins fighting against cousins, and so she felt it was her responsibility, and with her gifts, she would be able to bring people together. I would say that she already possessed the spirit of reconciliation that came from God through the Holy Spirit to even desire to do something like that. Anna was, um, in her eyes of her daughter, the model and perfect mother. Uh, she taught Sunday school in the local Methodist church for over 20 years and was always involved with what she called the benevolent work. And whenever the mom had an opportunity, or her mom had an opportunity, Anna, both of them named Anna, when Anna Marie, Maria died in 1908, her daughter, also, um, also named Anna, uh, decided she'd found a holiday to remember her mother and all mothers when she started planning to have a Mother's Day celebration. Mother's Day was first celebrated, of course, in Grafton, West Virginia in 1908. Six years later, Congress passed a resolution, then officially uh, establishing the second Sunday of May to honor the moms. And, uh, and for this reason, every year, we have an opportunity to do what we should do more often for the moms, what we should be doing every single day, and that's thanking them for all that they do. I remember when I was growing up, my mom always had good meals uh, a lot of times with five children, she would find the necessity of, of setting the table for breakfast at the night before, and sometimes that was our responsibility, and sometimes it was her uh, doing it without being uh, wanting to be pat- patted on the back. She always wanted to do it, and it was always a blessing to me to see that was taken care of. And I look back on it now, and I can see all, all the work. And, and for some reason, God blessed me with a wife like that. Um, I married a farmer's daughter, and uh, she, I, I seen how she treated her father, and um, it was a real blessing. I was able to uh, score big with Tammy, and in that area of helping, we have four sons, and she's constantly helping them. Um, but I think it's something we should be doing every day, say thank you to our moms and to really all the women who are involved with our lives. There may be some other people, like your mother-in-law or your grandmother, um, I, I'm really encouraged when I find a woman who loves the Lord and, and wants to do the Lord's work. I'm, I'm thinking that's going to be a happy home. And she wants to be involved with other people and help them live for the Lord. There's no question that mothers hold a special, really an incredible, indescribable place in our lives. And a, a group of, of school kids one time were, were, were asked to describe moms. And so they all got together and they sat down and they said to them certain questions. What would be what, what we, we should be doing every day to say thank you uh, to the moms? And so they sat them down and they started asking the kids, um, if you could define a mother, how would you describe a mother? And here's what they came up with. Um, they asked certain questions and I asked my, my grandson was at her house. Graham was there today and he came down the steps and kind of looking around, kind of freaked out, like, where am I at, you know? And I, I, I found this really cool picture of a, of a dinosaur. I don't know, I don't know what, what is a, there's like a G-Rex. G-Rex, you know. And I zoomed in on it, took a picture of it, and I got it all. And I said, this is what I saw in the woods, Graham. I was in my tree stand, and this thing came up. He's going, no way. You know, <laughs> can you imagine me putting that on my car and bringing it over down, the, down into Madison or something like that? Yeah, anyway. But these kids were asked, why did God make mothers? I asked that my grandson this way. So why did God make moms? 
He goes, I know up here, but I'm not going to say what, what it is. I said, you, you can tell me. Why did, why did God make moms? He looks around, he goes, he whispers in me, so they can have babies. <laughs> How old is Graham? Yeah, he's got it all together. So it's right on. Why did my, one student said, why did, why did God make moms? Once she's the only one who knows what the scotch tape is. <laughs> he has a point. I come home, I say, where, where is that? She knows exactly where it's at. Did you see that duct tape? Yes, it's on the third floor, you know, third shelf down over to the right. No, oh, there it is, right over there. She's right there. The students were asked, how, how did God make mothers? One little boy said, I think he used dirt, just like the rest of us. But he used a little magic, plus some superpowers. That's how God made mom. God made my mom just the same, made me, made me just like her, only with bigger parts. That's what one little girl said. When the, when the students were asked, what ingredients did God use to make moms? God makes mothers, one little boy said, out of the clouds, and then angel's hair, and everything nice in the world, and then a little dab of meanness. <laughs> one little girl says, I think it all goes back to they started out with some men's bones. And then they mostly use string, I think. Yeah. One of, the, one of the questions was, why did God give your mother to you and not some other mom? One little girl says, because we're related. <laughs> uh, one little boy said, God knew that she would like me a lot more than the other moms would like me. Yeah, we're blessed with moms. They're special. We're blessed even though sometimes moms say kind of crazy things. Like she'll say to you, have you seen the dirt in the back of your neck? <laughs> think about that for a moment. How do you see dirt on the back? Of I think it's moms are the only ones that have eyes in the back of their head that men don't have. It, so. We're blessed even though they occasionally will say to us something like this. I've told you a million times, don't exaggerate. <laughs> We're blessed even though they sometimes made us eat food that we wouldn't have chosen ourselves or made us do work. We'd rather be out playing with our friends. And I just had an opportunity to grow up in McFarland, and it was like Mayberry back in the day. And... Uh, it was, it, was, it was easy growing up back in that time. It was like Mayberry, and, and I could walk down, get the, the mail stuff. We used to go to the park and play by ourselves, and Mom didn't have to worry about it, where we were or what was going on. Um, don't you want that for your children again? Yeah. You know, there's only one way that we can have that again. That's, right. That's just to call out to God, of course, yeah. but then to raise some young men and some young ladies that will honor God and serve God. Um, I often said when I come into this pulpit, it's not a game. It's something that's very serious for the next generation. I could do a lot of things, but I think the greatest thing that I could do is encourage people to trust Christ as their personal Savior and then do the best they can to have a home that's going to be godly for those children. 
so that they can actually learn how to do certain things. Children are blessed because really at home you have a built-in counselor. If there's anything you want to be able to get done or, or you have to do, you can go to your mom and ask her and she'll help you with it. I was amazed at how many times my wife would help the boys with school projects. And she'd get into it, man. I mean, they made it, Curtis made an alligator one time. And I was like, man, that thing really looks like an alligator. Use paper mache and so on. You know, really got into it. She's an entertainer. Mom, mom entertains, and sometimes she sees that they're a little bit sad, so she'll do something to make them happy. <clears throat> we sat down at the meal sometimes, and my, my wife had this joke about doing the halftime show, and she'd act crazy at the, at, the, at the supper table. She had my boys rolling on the floor laughing, and then I'd always tease her and say, maybe she should do that in church sometime. And you, she's, Tammy's got a side of her you guys don't even see. You see this elegant, beautiful woman who's godly, she is a stitch. And so is my mom. Get those two together. I'm going to go out to the pizza ranch or something. They can stay home. <laughs> well, she's a chef, isn't she? You know, I remember Curtis laying down sometimes upstairs. Just, mom! She'd say, yes, Curtis. You know how that's you know, Yes, Curtis. It's like you're really on my nerves right now. What's for breakfast? Well, that's 15 hours from now, buddy. You go to sleep. Maybe he put his order in the night before. She's the encourager. She'll tell the boys, you can do it. Oh, you get out there and you get it done. You know, I think one of the most horrible things that you can do to your kids is make it easy for them. Make it easy for them. Listen, this world needs tough kids today that know how to work. They're going to be, they're going to be made fun of, especially if they're going to be a godly kid. Especially if, if they're going to live for the Lord, they're going to be teased and made fun of. And if the, if the home is nothing but mushy, then that little mushy kid's going to grow up. And then when he's made fun of, what's he going to do? He's not going to fight back. I think about how that many times my wife said, my, my, I'm sorry, my mom said to me, you, you, you go to your room and you get that room clean. I mean, it had to be spotless. I came in, I think I was 12 years old. I did my paper out that morning. It was cold. And rain, I had, I had wet gloves on. And I was just, I mean, snot's running. I'm like, you know, Mom, I need some help. You know what she said? You put those gloves back on there, and you get out there, and you get that, that, that route done. And then you can come in and rest. I'm telling you, I am so glad that my mom was like, she told me to finish the job. Yes. The Marines was a piece of cake. She's a nurse, isn't she? She's a nurse. She'll say, well, I think you got a fever. You don't look right. You look a little pale. She comes over, and then she'll give you a hug, and she says, yep, you got a fever. And then she'd say, well, I think you need to take some Tylenol or some aspirin. Why don't you go lay down? And, and sometimes when you're sick, she'd say, well, you go ahead and just don't worry about a thing. I'm going to make some chicken soup for you. I'll get some 7-Up and some crackers, and you don't have to worry about anything. And the kids get up at night, and guess what? They didn't make it to the bathroom. And guess who cleans it up? Mom. Pretty interesting. She's the number one fan. You ever go to a ball game with a mom when her kid's out there? Maybe he could be a quarterback or a pitcher or whatever. Look out, because that's that's my son out there, she says. You know, she's cheering him on. You can do this. We went to the basketball games with Curtis and Caleb and of course, Josh and 
Sometimes I'd have to get on the ref, you know, correct him once in a while. But Tammy would cheer my boys going on with Andrew, and then she'd be out there just yelling, you can do this, come on, cheering them on. That's mom. She's a nutritionist, you know. You're going to eat wheat bread. I remember growing up, when we started this weed germ. Remember that, Mom? Weed germ. I wanted sugar. <laughs> she gave me weed germ on oatmeal. You want to ruin oatmeal? Put weed germ on it. <laughs> you want to ruin Cocoa Puffs? You want to make it nice? Put a bunch of sugar on that. And yeah. Sometimes she just wants you to grow up healthy. She's a preacher. She'll tell you, Listen now, son, don't touch her when you go on a date because you're going to take away from her husband if you touch her. It's not talked about too much these days. But it's something that's very serious. We need more moms that are willing to be preachers, mourn against certain things, encourage in other areas. She's the teacher. Let me show you how you do that. She's actually, Tammy's now teaching my grandsons, and they're homeschooled. She takes care of them, teaches them. She's a cheerleader, isn't she? She's kind of like a correction officer, you know. I'm going to put you on probation until you get that math test done. You know, you can't do anything outside. You got to, yeah. With this passage of the scripture this morning, I chose is, is a common one. We draw these verses that a woman is an influence. We draw from these verses that she is an incredible influence. To her family. The measure of this uh, really is mentioned here in verse number 28. If you look at your Bibles, the Bible actually sums it all up here in these verses. But it says in verse 28, her children arise up and call her blessed and her husband also. And he praises her. So let me just talk to you a little bit about the motivation of influence. The motivation of influence Uh, of your children is God-given. It's a God-given desire. When a woman desires to have that desire to influence their children in the right way, God gives them that. We see, of course, uh, in the first five verses of Proverbs, let let me just read those to you. Look at the influence here, the words of the king Lemuel, and of course that's, that's Solomon, the prophecy that his mother taught him, what my son and what the son of my womb And what the son of my vows, give not thy strength unto women, nor thy ways to that which destroys kings. It is not for a king, as old male, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted. You know, I was I was really amazed that Donald Trump never tasted alcohol and Never drank. He may have tasted it, maybe, but he doesn't drink. I was kind of amazed with that. I think that sometimes if you soak your brain in liquid hell, that's exactly where you're going to go. Maybe take your family. It's interesting we think about this because the Bible actually gives us this influence and helps us to understand that the motivation uh, to the child and and what the king is saying, he's saying, my mom taught me these things. I'm so glad, he says. Every mom wants the best for her child. In Deuteronomy chapter 32, 11 through 12, the Bible says, as an eagle stirs up her nest and flutters over her young, 
and spreads abroad her wings and takes them, bears them on her wings. And so the Lord alone did lead him. And there was no strange God with him. In Proverbs 17, verse number 8, the Bible says, Keep me as the eagle of the eye. Hide me under the shadow of thy wings. Psalms 91, verse number 4, He shall cover thee with, her, with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. In his truth shall be thy shield and buckler. That's our God. Oh, when you talk about a godly mother, she wants to do everything she can do to help prepare her little child to leave the nest and to be successful in it. Prosperity doesn't just come. God gives it to you. God blesses you. That's where prosperity comes from. It comes from God. But godly mothers will help the children. I think about how that these verses here, and if I was to show you in verse number 10, the Bible says, who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. I don't know if you write in your Bible, if you want to start your notebook now. I think we could take some words from these verses, and I'm just going to give you a word to describe these verses as I read through them. I think that the first verse, in verse number 10, I think we would say that a virtuous woman is rare. It's R. She's rare. You don't, you don't find them nowadays too much because the moms are more worried about their career, perhaps, than they are their children. Maybe a mom's more worried about, about her own popular, popularity rather than training up a child in the way that they should go. Look at verses 11 and 12. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil and she will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. I think that she is restful and you can trust in her. Look at verse number 13 through 15. She seeks wool and flax and works willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant ships and bringeth her food from afar. And she rises also wild as yet night and gives meat to her household and even a portion to her maidens. It's amazing to me because she is resourceful. She is rare. She is restful. She is resourceful. Look at 16 through 19. So she considers the field, and then she buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants the vineyard, and she girds her loins with strength and, strengthen, and strengthens her arms. And so she perceives that her merchandise is good, and her, candles, uh, her candle goeth not out by night. Look at verse number 19. She layeth her hands to the spindle, and her hands hold the distaff. I put down here, she is rich. She is rich in the ability to make finances, and she's able to discern whether she should do that or not. It says that she goes afar, she's willing, to go, she's willing to go to Aldi's rather than go right to the fancy one. She's willing to get a deal here and there so she can help. She'll clip coupons, and she'll do everything she can do to not only take care of her family, but also take care of those that work for her. Look at she's responsive, verse number 20. She stretches out her hands to the poor, and yea, she reaches forth her hands to the needy. Wow. You know how many needy people there are in the world today? You know how many women help out with those people? Many that you don't even know about. Did you know the Pacific Garden mission began with a woman who began to feed people on her porch when they would come and she'd put a little meal out there for them? Do you think that her husband would say, wait a minute now, 
wait a minute, aren't you afraid of them hurting you? Aren't you afraid of them? Well, you couldn't do that now today. Yes. Back then, let me tell you something. They did it because they loved people. Amen. Mrs. Clark desired to help. You know, I get calls all the time. Can you help me out with a gas card? Can you help me? I got some calls last week. I said, nope, no gas cards here. Sorry. Can't help you. Click. You know. But you know what? Every chance they come in or when they do, I'll do everything I can do to meet their need. Sometimes I'll take money out of my own wallet. But you know who taught me that to do that? Yeah. Was my mom. She's here, and I'm not trying to embarrass her, but she'd always want to give something to somebody. She's a giver. I've got a, a son like that, Curtis. He's just constantly giving. He, he likes to have some of these furs that, 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 that you get, you have them tanned, and, and he, he met... Uh, some of his in-laws that he hadn't met yet, it'd be his mother-in-law's parents. They came down and saw him yesterday, and so he said, Dad, I gave him one of those furs. And we were kind of in passing, and I said, you've always been a giver. But you know where he learned it from? He probably learned it from his mom. Let me tell you something. Raising boys, moms, you better be careful because those boys are going to look to you, and they're going to adapt your character and they're going to act like you, talk like you, do things like you. So you got to be careful, moms. Dad, same thing. You got girls, they're going to want to be like you, talk like you, except not so low, you know. <laughs> it's important. She's ready. In verse number 21, she's not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. Scarlet's a double, a double material. So she made sure that they were warm and taken care of. So she was ready. She was respected, 22 to 25. She makes her coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and poor. She didn't look like a nerd. She dressed nice. That's in the Greek, by the way. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land and she makes fine linen and selleth it and delivers girdles unto the merchant she strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. Verse number 27, or verse number 26 says, She opens her mouth with wisdom, and, 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 and into her tongue is the law of kindness. Can I say this too about the way that women dress? Dress modest, ladies, please. You know what? Something like you feel like you're beating a dead horse in this culture because it seems like they, they just really don't care anymore. But I care. And God cares. And we have one audience, and that's God. I don't have to say too much about that. She is respected, and she is right. Wonderful, wonderful words come from her mouth. And she looks well to the ways of her household. She eats not the bread of idleness. It seems like she's constantly working because she is respected. And she is right, but she is rewarded. Her children then rise up and call her blessed. And her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. She is rewarded and she is renowned. There's so much in here. If I took this particular passage and said, this is the model passage of every woman in this place ought to strive to be this. I remember years ago I was in my office and I was using this passage to help a young lady who's going to get married. 
And she looked at me with tears in her eyes and she said, I can't do that. And I said, that's the point. Without God's grace, you're not going to be able to. Without God's power, you can't. But let me tell you something, ladies. With God and his spirit, you can do anything. Anything in Christ. You can get up tomorrow morning with a little bit of a smile and look toward heaven and say, God, I know that you made me who I am. And I I know you've given me the children you've given me. Now, give me the grace and the strength to be able to be the person that's needed for this family. God will give it to you. Think about the method also of influence and the instruct them through the word of God. If I could help you with anything this morning, moms, is make sure you use the scriptures and not just your words. Your words are going to go to the grave with you, but God's words are eternal. That's why it's important for you to use the word of God as you're training them and showing them what to do. Make sure you use the scriptures. Get some, get some base to that, what you're saying. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. In committing to parents the training to the, of their children, God has, in a very important sense, committed to them the formation of their future character. He's given it to moms and dads, and he will hold them responsible, I really believe, at Judgment Day. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 5, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and in thy mother Eunice, I am persuaded that is in thee also. Pretty powerful. Talking about a, a man, about his grandma and his mom. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 14 and 15 says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. The Bible says in Proverbs 1, 8, My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. The Bible says in Proverbs 6, 20, verse number, verse number 20 of chapter 6, My son, keep thy father's commandments and forsake not the law of thy mother. Proverbs 23, 22 through 25, Hearken unto thy father that begat thee and despise not thy mother when she is old. Buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding, the father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice. And he that begets a wise child shall have the joy of him. Thy father and thy mother shall be glad, and she that bear thee shall rejoice. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse number 16 says, Honor thy father and thy mother, as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee, that in the day may be prolonged, that it may be go well with thee in the land which thou, the Lord thy God, gives thee. I always say this to, when, I, when I meet an older person, I'll say, how old are you? And they'll say, well, I'm in my 90s. Or I made it to my 90s. And I say, I bet you you honored your parents. I'll bet you you did. And God gave them a long life. Let me just give you a few things to do with your children, okay? I know this is kind of like a not normal message, but I don't think it's, I think it's important. The first thing is build trust in your children. What I mean by that, don't ever lie to your kids. Because if they ever find out, they will not trust you from that point on. Tell them the truth all the time. You say, well, it's not popular. They, they might look down on me. They'll look down on you worse if you lie to them. Don't lie to your children. I remember my, 
my wife would be with them boys and she's saying, are you lying to me, Andrew? Are you lying to me, Josh? Are you lying to me, Caleb? Are you lying to me, Curtis? I've never lied to you. Why would you lie to me? What a great thing to instill in their children. That they had an honest mom who told them the truth. Build trust. Number two, develop responsibilities with kids early. Make the bed while it's still warm. That's a good thing to teach your child. And if it wasn't made good enough, make, make bad breath and all, tell them to get in there and make that bed. And do it right. Brush your teeth first and then come in. This is a really big one with me. I think the first thing you could do to help a child, like one, maybe two years old, is buy him some goldfish. And tell them to feed them every single day. But don't feed them too much. You feed them too much, they'll die. And then we've got to put them down the drain. And the guy that's on the other side doesn't like that. Tell them that. <laughs> but make, make sure that she would take the responsibility somehow and then develop from a goldfish maybe to some hamsters or some gerbils. How many have ever had hamsters? Raise your hand. Let's get some hamsters. Remember they were always at Walmart in different places. You'd go get these. I don't know how these things are. What are they? <laughs> I mean, what, are, what good are they? Do people eat hamsters or what? Gerbils? Gerbils look like little rats, right? They are little rats. Yeah, get them. I, I even had a, a fellow here years ago, this part of church, he had a couple of rats. He had them in his bathtub. He said, come on, you want to see my rats? I was like on visitation going, no, I really don't want to see your rats. They're really, really smart. Look, I can feed them, Pastor. I was like, wow, that's really nice. They really like you. You just keep feeding them. But maybe his mother never went past that, the rats, you know. Because you got to move from hamsters to rabbits. And then from rabbits to maybe some animals somewhere or something. Get a barn, get a space or something. And we were fortunate enough to raise our kids to where they had all of these things. And I remember going home sometimes and Curtis would say, Come home, he'd take his suit coat off half, throw the thing in. I got to get them rabbits fed, Dad. I got to make sure they had enough hay. He'd go up and get enough hay in the barn, took care of them things. And you know what happened one time? One of them got too cold and died. Wow. See, it's a horrible thing to happen for the curse. No, it was okay. Because the rabbit went to bunny heaven. <laughs> but Curtis learned that he needed to take care of his rabbits. Because yes. guess what? They're going to have a baby in October. And he'll take care of his children. Teach your kids responsibilities. Teach them responsibility. Teach them to do the thing nobody else wants to do. Teach them to be responsible. That's why I really am so thankful for school. I really am. And back in the public school system, back in the day, it was okay at times because they had certain things you had to do and requirements. And I can't believe what we're being, they're, they're, they're teaching today. It's amazing. What a mess. But anyway, I need to move on. Instill standards in them. And how do you instill standards in children? Let me give you a few things to think about. First of all, here's the formula for instilling standards. First of all, find a biblical passage and read it to them. Maybe it would be on the ant when you talk about how diligent the ant is. And tell them that each little ant has different responsibilities and different jobs. They all have the same goal. Some of them carry things and some of them stay at home and pick up things and some of them 
tidy up after someone messes things up, and they all have the goal. But teach that. Find a biblical passage, and Proverbs is full of many of them. Then get the, the biblical principle down. Here's the biblical principle. Do not, do not stop when you've planned something. Get it done and finish it. Finish the task. So many times you'll have uh, someone say, well, I think it might rain. Well, yeah, it will. might three weeks from now, but it's going to rain sometime. But you might be able to get the job done. Recently, we took a tree down over at Vermeer. You know, we could easily said, Brother Mike, we could easily said, you know, it's going to rain. We probably shouldn't do it. And I just appreciate you coming out there. And even when the rain was coming, and Mike took the time of training my grandkids how to climb a tree, put the little straps on them, showed them some things. Here's how you tie ropes off. And was able to use it for a teaching time. I thought, what a blessing. But get that principle that, you say, I can't do it. There could be a line in the street. It's going to rain. It's too cold. It's hogwash. Get the job done. Have that fortitude. Teach your boys that. Teach your ladies that to finish the job. So find the passage. Find the principle. And then the biblical conviction. Then set the standard. I think there's a lot of standards in the Bible that we could bring up. I'm just going to bring up one in Deuteronomy chapter 18, 9 through 14. You know what it talks about? Stay away from any kind of magic or medium. Stay away from it. Don't even go close to it. And if you have any kind of games in your house with that trash on it, you're going to ruin your home. Say, well, it's just something little. I remember one time when (laughs) my grandkids were over and there was something that was a little bit of a mystery. They got it at a garage sale. It was some kind of game. They put it on and it had some kind of a strange thing on it. I said, get that out of there. It's not going to go on my TV set. Put it over here. My little grandson picked it up a little later on, put it back in again. I had to teach him. We had some little devotional thoughts. No one grandpa says, you don't play that in this house. You don't play that in this house, period. I think it's important for us to understand that. Example number two, Leviticus 10. I want you to see this one if you could. Let's look over Leviticus chapter 10, and I'll be all done here. Leviticus chapter 10. See, I don't think that you have all... New Testament principles. I think there's some Old Testament principles also. Leviticus chapter 10. You want to teach your young man something? Teach him this. Look at verse number 8. The Lord spake to Adam, or, I mean Aaron, saying, now he's speaking to Aaron. Remember, he's the high priest. He's saying to Aaron, Do not drink wine nor strong drink, thou nor thy sons with thee, when you go into the tabernacle of the congregation, lest you what? It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations. You see, there's the principle, okay? So we say, wait a minute now. Okay, that was was just to the priest. Hebrews tells us that we're all priests now. Okay? Say, well, that's when he's going to the tabernacle. The body is the temple of the Holy Spirit now. Say, well, that cancels out wine or strong drink for me. Well, my life is going to be pretty boring. No, it's going to be successful. Look what it says. That you may put the difference between what is holy and unholy and between what is clean and unclean. See, he's telling the children of Israel, if, if you do these things, you're going to be blessed. You'll be able to discern. You'll be able to be sharp. You'll be able to continue on. Just as long as you don't soak your brain in liquid hell, it'll hurt you. It'll hurt you. 
It'll divide your family. It'll make you think something that's not true. You ever see a drunk man? He thinks he's the toughest guy, a little, little squirrely. I was in the Marine Corps. Man, these guys get drunk. And I was like, what? Are you serious? I mean, you got to blow on this guy and he'll fall over. And he's the toughest man. He's convinced that he's strong when he's weak. You see, what liquor does is the complete opposite of what the Spirit of God can do. Yes. Yes. You ever see a drunk guy? Just take my wallet, use all the money. I don't care about my money. You find someone filled with the Spirit? Hey, you need, some, you need 20? You need some money? A person filled with the Spirit. You ever see a drunk guy? Let me give you a hug. You ever see somebody who's filled with the Spirit? I want to hug you. You see, there's always the counterfeit, isn't there? We're going to talk about that tonight. We're going to talk about the Antichrist tonight. Another standard, the standard of dress. Women should not wear that pertains to a man. Neither shall a man put on that which pertains to a woman. That's an abomination to God. So what Bruce Jenner is doing is an abomination to God. Yep. When he talks about, you know, there should be fairness going on. I don't care how he talks. His dress is an abomination to God. That's what the Bible says. I think really, when it comes to a mom, the greatest thing you can do is be honest and real and humble. In the passage here that we saw in Proverbs chapter 31, the Bible's really clear on how that a woman, she's elegant because she puts on the wonderful attitude and the spirit of godliness. And God gives her that ability. Then inspire your kids with the spirit of God. Be an example by walking in the spirit. Lead them. Don't push them. The Bible says in Proverbs 4, verse number 11, I have taught thee in the way of wisdom, and I have led thee in the right paths. And so be in front, leading them. Lead them to their devotion time. Lead them to their dedication. Lead them away from junk movies. Lead them away from trashy games. Lead them away from those things. And lead them to the place where they can honor the Lord. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2, verse number 10, it says, But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. Ephesians 3.16 says that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with the might in his spirit in the inner man. And the last thing you can teach your children is teach them who Jesus Christ is. Yes. Teach them early. Teach them early. Moms, talk about Jesus in the right way. Have you prayed about it yet, son? Let me pray with you. Dear Lord, would you please help him? You know what he's going to do next time? Mom, will you pray with me about that? You lead him to Jesus because he's the answer. And then early on, get the relationship with God. Teach them that I have a relationship with you, but God wants you to have a relationship. And the best thing you can do for your kids is help them, help them learn who Jesus Christ is early and help them accept him. I remember my mom, 1968, we're in McFarland on Milwaukee Street and got a big home. And she's having these Bible studies once in a while, I think. Uh, either that or they were garage sales. Who knows? I was like five years old, you know, six years old. But I remember, I remember her saying, you know, she brought this lady in her house, and, and, and her name was Ursula Clark, and they were going to have these little Bible clubs. And I got to go to it, and I, I sat downstairs in these little Bible clubs. Ursula Clank came in, and she gave me the crystal clear example of what it was to be saved. And then she showed me this story. You ever see those stories you can read and see the pictures of the missionaries in Africa and how she was showing them? 
pictures of how that these people were taking the gospel to another tribe in Africa or someplace, you know. I was thinking, wow, that's amazing to me. You know, at the end of the service, she said, who would like to receive Jesus Christ? And I raised my hand. My mom had that wonderful class there in our house so that I could hear about Jesus Christ. Now, I have not been perfect, friends. But early on, I developed an understanding of who Jesus Christ is. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I've been trying the best I can to be that kind of a mother. We're going to do all we can do here at Grace Baptist Church to help you. But you know who will help you the most is God. And maybe just right there in your pew. Or maybe you want to come forward in a few minutes and just kneel down at an old-fashioned altar and say, Proverbs 31 is the kind of woman that I want to be. I don't care how old you are. If you understand it, you can be it. Maybe God is working in you to come this morning and say, here I am, Lord. Maybe you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You've never opened up your heart to him and said, Lord, I need you. Would you save me? Then why don't you come this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed? Would you just stand to your feet? No one looking around this morning. And if you need to come, you come this morning. Father, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would guide in the invitation. In Jesus' name, amen.